Welcome to today's Deep Space Podcast. I'm Mary Lynn Jitmar, President and CEO of the Coalition for Deep Space Exploration. And today we welcome Jeffrey Manberg, founder and CEO of Nanorax. Nanorax has customers in more than 30 nations across the world and offers services in low Earth orbit, suborbital space, and polar orbit. Before I get going, I want to say a little bit about Jeffrey, who I've known for some time now. Jeffrey has been a leading entrepreneur in space for more than three decades. As CEO of Nanorack since 2009, he has steered the growth of the first company to own and market its own hardware and services on board the International Space Station. Prior to Nanorax, he served as Managing Director of Energia USA, which helped bring Russia's space effort into the Western programs, including carrying over to Russia the first commercial contract ever between NASA and a Russian organization. Jeff's the author of numerous articles and several books, including Selling Peace, which highlights his time working with the Russian space program. He served as an advisor on international space issues to organizations, companies, and five governments, and is the recipient of the American Astronautical 2011 Lloyd Berkner Award, the 2012 NASA Exceptional Public Achievement Medal, and the 2017 Pioneer of New Space Award from the Space Frontier Foundation. Jeffrey, welcome. Hey, thanks, Mary Lynn. Great to be here. So you've been in this business for three decades. Why space? Um, I ask myself that every morning. Uh, I, I, I think what has always attracted me to space and what has kept me going all of these years is uh, I personally like frontiers. I personally like when the rules need to be written. And I like uh, the people that are attracted to uh, a place that is new. Uh, space utilization, space exploration is not for the faint-hearted. It's not for the person who can choose between uh, working on a, you know, let's say uh, a social media platform or working on uh, uh, discovering something new in outer space or uncovering uh, new opportunities. It takes a certain person, and I, I guess I was that when I was very young, and, and I've, I've stuck with it for that reason. It's a very interesting community. It's changing. It's changing for the better, and so it's, it's kept my interest all these years. Well, you've certainly been a contributor to shaping that community as well, right? I mean, is this is this the uh, you mentioned frontiers? Is this the wild west in space? Are we plowing new ground regularly? I mean, how do you how do you see all this now, especially compared to when you started? Well, I mean, uh, yes and no. I mean, first off, the wild west had a had a you know a connotation and reality to what degree I don't know, but the wild west was without laws. Uh, when we think in America of the Wild West, we think of, you know, very violent and, and every person uh, can grab what they want. And, uh, and, and that's not the case here. Uh, I'd rather say, yes, it is a frontier, but it's a very international frontier. It's a frontier of the best and the brightest. Uh, and you're very kind. I did, you know, at times have a role in, in influencing how commercial we've become, meaning that I've worked for most of my career to make space just another place to do business where the government serves as a customer. And, and uh, I, I think that, um, in fact, far from being um, a frontier in one sense, one of the things we suffer from 
is that, uh, you know, we all know why space uh, was launched. Uh, it was a reaction in the Cold War. It was, a, it was the spear tip of a political agenda. And so the, almost the opposite of a frontier in one sense, it, was, it had a government stake, and the private sector was a very small part of that. And since about the 1990s, uh, because of efforts of people, colleagues of mine and, and friends you and I both know, um, we've been able to move it a little bit more each you know, decade since the 90s into being more and more commercial. It's still, it's still a frontier because we don't know exactly the right relationships between the government and the private sector, what we in uh, Washington, D.C. call the public-private partnership. We don't know how much the taxpayers should be paying uh, and the private sector should be paying. But more and more, you're seeing the imagination of the private sector playing a significant role in what we do next. And you see that even in the administrator of NASA now, Jim Bridenstine, talking about we're going to be returning to the moon, but pri the private sector will be there as uh, almost equal partners with uh, the government. Exactly, and that's what a lot of us have been looking for for, well, <laughs> decades, right? Um, can you tell us a little bit about what Nanoracks does? You know, we're talking about customers, and I'm going to come back to this in a minute, the idea of how it is that you develop just another place to do business in space. But can you tell us a little bit about, um, especially maybe for people who don't know, what kinds of services Nanoracks offers? It's, you know, we're, uh, when we started Nanoracks 10 years ago, it was very lonely. Uh, we were the first company in the world to own and, uh, as you said, to own and market our own hardware on the International Space Station. And 10, 11 years ago, I went to NASA and said, I don't want your money. And, you know, NASA was like, wow, have a seat. Can we get you some coffee? You know, and, and they were like, what do you, that would be the day, right, Mary Lynn? But anyway, um, they said, okay, what do you want? And I said, I want the right to design and and put on the space station research hardware that I market to whom I wish. And this was just at the end of when the International Space Station was finishing its construction. There were very few companies using the International Space Station, and NASA gave us permission. And so NanoX has grown over 10 years, starting with standardized uh, mini labs, we call nano labs on a powered platform uh, with a starting price of about $30,000. Uh, we have grown today to being the largest commercial user of the International Space Station. And why do I mention the 30000 Because before NanoRacks, to be on the space station probably would cost you a million mm -hmm. and two million. And you had to go through a peer group review. You had to get permission um, from a space agency. So many of the younger people in this community don't realize how much it's even cha changed even in a decade. And so 10 years ago, you didn't mention money to NASA. 10 years ago, the idea that a private company could have access to the NASA manifest for launches and space station resources was unheard of. The idea that a private company could go out internationally and sort of speak as a voice of the American government, American people, and say, yes, we can put you on uh, uh, the American side of the space station. There were some funny times in the beginning when foreign governments would call NASA and say, this company's been in our office, and they say that they can get us on the, your side of the space station. We don't have to work with you. Is this true? And NASA would say, yes, it is true. Uh, 
And so it really changed. First off, I'm answering you sort of on what's different about Nanoracks. Nanoracks uh, is an in-space services company. Uh, we That's hardware agnostic. Customer comes in and says, I have a mission. I want to do something in space. It can be large. We have customers that are government agencies here and abroad, and it can be small, educational. And they come in and say, we want to do this, and we work to make sure that happens. And, uh, uh, you know, so, so view us as sort of an in-space services where the customer focus is the uh, primary uh, goal of this company. It's not to finish any one single hardware project. Well, I think I have to compliment you. I have before also, but I will say for the record, um, I have to compliment you for just the incredible development of Nanoracks. I remember when you guys were just getting started um, and it's just amazing uh, to see the, the breadth of services and um, product, if products is the right term, but certainly the services that you, that you offer um, and that you've been able to, and the way that you've been able to help open up the International Space Station for business, I think is, um, you know, when the history of all of it is finally said and done, uh, I think that Nanorax is just gonna be a, a huge player in that process. And as somebody, as you know, who helped uh, assemble the station, <laughs> me That's and 40,000 other people, um, I really am uh, very grateful um, for all the work that you've done to help help the ISS, you know, begin to sort of really fulfill Fill its 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 legacy. Um, speaking of that, um, one of your topics that you've been um, one, and you have many that you have been, uh, I think, very um, very eloquent on over the years, has been how you see the legacy of the International Space Station going forward, and particularly um, the way I was sort of just commenting about it is that as a pathfinder. Um, for doing a business in space, but also doing business internationally in space. And I was wondering if you could comment a little bit on that. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Uh, for most people at NASA, and for most people in the community, for most of the time of the ISS, which is now about, what, 20 years old, uh, I would say, since I yep. uh, first started the project, the legacy of the space station, it was assumed would be the technological complexity and marvel of building this extraordinarily wonderful, um, uh, what do you call it, factory, house. Uh, I, I so despise station. It sounds like a bus station, and no offense to anybody <laughs> who takes the bus. But, you know, I haven't spent 30 years to work on a bus station. So, um, you know, we, we, we as a people, an international collection of nations, have, have created this marvel in space. And NASA folks assumed all along that that was the legacy, the extraordinary complexity of how many vehicles from how many countries, from France, from Japan, from Russia, uh, you know, from the United States, of course, uh, uh, how many different missions it took to assemble the space station. For me, it's different. And for more and more people, share with me the, the view that the legacy of the station is number one. Uh, you know, unlike uh, some of the market, well, like the markets on the ground, they should be international. And uh, despite all the political differences, we've worked well with uh, our Russian colleagues, our European colleagues, and Japanese, Canadian, they work with us. I'd like to see an expansion of the uh, ISS to more spacefaring nations, uh, done in a different way, uh, but 
to include them. And so first off is the international nature of it. But second is the getting right, the relationship between the private sector and the public sector. And, and how much of the next space stations, with a plural, how much of the next space stations will be uh, taxpayer funded or uh, government as customer? How many will be private sector uh, pushed or government pull or the other way around? Uh, so uh, the legacy of the space station, I'm, I'm more and more convinced, will be um, it showed us the way to, to optimize the relationship, optimize business, introduce cost efficiencies of the private sector, which is not limited to low Earth orbit. Indeed, I think the ISS must be used as a learning curve uh, as we go uh, back to the moon and, and on to Mars. And if we don't, then we're just going to make all the mistakes we made 20 years ago uh, on a commercial uh, level, on a political level, and I sure don't want to see that, and we don't have the time for that. So the legacy of the station to me is commercial, it's political, and it's uh, how do you merge those two. I couldn't agree with you more, especially about using the ISS as the sort of pathfinder and also bridge um, from the surface of the Earth into deep space. It's, it's, uh, I think we haven't fully yet. Uh, realized all the things that it's doing for us, but we're making progress, and it's certainly been people like you and the company that have really helped that happen. Um, I think, Jeff, I, one question we get that toward the end here as we sort of get ready to wrap up is, um, <laughs> we get, you know, the old expression, keep those cards and letters coming, folks. Um, <laughs> we get them on email now, right? And also yeah. letters. As a matter of fact, I've got one sitting um, at my place right now that I just got. Um, with a budding entrepreneur who's asking me for all kinds of publication and names and addresses for people and um, basically, you know, input into, fin <laughs> into financial groups and um, all kinds of things. And I'm looking at that going, huh, I'm not sure how I'm going to respond to this. But um, what kind of advice do you have as someone who has been engaged in space commerce for decades and is continuing to helm a, a wonderful company here. What kinds of advice do you have for people who are thinking about starting a space business? Well, uh, there's a whole bunch, uh, Mary Lynn, uh, of advice I could give. But first off, let me start. Uh, what, a, what a wonderful development. Uh, you had asked me, I don't think I answered a few moments ago, what was it like when I started? There were times I would walk into a room uh, on, a, on a space event, a space issue, and I was one of the few people in the room who was not former military or former government, okay? Um, and, and we have now reached the point where, uh, you know, at Nanorax, we have customers like Planet and uh, Dom Space. We have high schools. We have uh, um, all sorts of uh, the full range uh, of, of our society. It's wonderful, Okay. So the first thing is uh, I, my advice to entrepreneurs, they don't have to be young, my advice to entrepreneurs is, yes, it's doable now. Yes, you can start a company and in space find a, a service, uh, find a product, you can find capital, um, and you can grow the business. And there are other examples. That's the good news. The negative news is at this point in time, it's still very, very difficult. It's still very, very expensive unless you find the right niche, like there's multiple companies now doing CubeSat uh, propulsion. And there the cost is a lot lower than, ah, oh, you have to listen, I'm near the White House, so I 
think we have a motorcade going by. So, um, uh, you know, it's very expensive. It's very, it, it can move much slower than, a, than a, a another market. And above all else, I, I, a moment ago I talked about international, how wonderful that is. But, you know, we're so careful on technology transfer here. Uh, space is a strategic marketplace. And so as you create a new business, you have to understand you can't necessarily pick up the phone and call someone you met uh, in China like you could in software or pick up the phone and call someone even in Canada uh, from the States because we have so many regulations on technology transfer. Um, having said that, I go back to the optimism, uh, the optimistic part of it because I have to remain optimistic, and that is it's doable. And, and the, the last thing I would say is this is still a small community, far larger than even 10, 15 years ago. But it's still a small community. Your reputation is extremely important. Be truthful when you talk to the government officials. Be truthful to the colleagues. And uh, word gets around. And uh, if you're pretty truthful on your mistakes and what you're doing, you'll find that niche and you'll be able to grow. So that's wonderful advice. I'm hoping that entrepreneurs and budding entrepreneurs uh, give a listen and hear everything that you said. One thing I often tell people is one thing you need to remember is that business is business. There are particular challenges, right, that have to do with getting into space, some of which you've just laid out. But there's also just the basics, right? You need a business plan. You need to be able to address um, recurring and constant costs. You need to be able to figure out where your finances are coming from, right? So um, it sounds maybe a little silly to talk about that when we're talking about space business, but business is business. Right. And, and I'll say something also positive. I do believe we are returning to the moon, as you at the coalition are working so hard on. Uh, I, I don't know when we'll return to the moon, but I believe we will return to the moon uh, this time to stay. I think we will go on uh, beyond the moon. And, and so you have an opportunity here, and we're so hopeful that it's going to be a facet of our society that survives any one administration, any one Congress. I think we're on a pathway now because of not only just the critical mass we're reaching, not only the importance of space as a strategic market, uh, but also the excitement that folks like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos have brought to the general society. You know, you and I every day work with younger people that just want to be in space. And that's, I mean, that's so wonderful. So this is here to stay. And so, uh, you know, approach it that this is more and more of a real market. And uh, I have the time to grow and get my business plan right and get my partners uh, and so on. Well, on that note, which I think is wonderful and positive and forward-leaning, Jeff, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time today. I know you're crazy busy, um, so we just really appreciate you being willing to be a guest and share some of your observations and experience with us and our listeners. Best of luck to NanoRacks. Um, just so you know, when we uh, roll out the podcast, we'll have a link to NanoRacks' website in our show notes so people can go find you. Um, is there any last words of wisdom? Nope. I'll just say, you know, thanks, Mary Lynn. We appreciate uh, everything you do with the coalition, and we appreciate uh, the voice uh, uh, that you lend on behalf of uh, the community and, and the companies involved uh, that, you know, you're an important bridge to the government. And I uh, appreciate that, and thanks for thinking of me. Well, thank you, Jeff.